Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution, everyone. Glad to have you here. All, all the way in the back, can you wave your hands? <laughs> Standing room only. Um, man, it's always hard to know where to start. I am literally about to be have another child any minute now. So I have my phone ready in case. She hasn't gone into labor yet, but she told me her stomach was feeling very tight. Which I don't know what that means, but I know that <laughs> it's nervous. Um, it's nervous. That's what it means. I'm nervous. Um, fatherhood is crazy. I think in some ways fatherhood has saved my life. It really puts things into perspective. You know, I deal a lot with depression, and I don't hide that from anybody. Um, and sometimes depression plays tricks on you and tries to tell you that your life is meaningless. And then you just get this like little guy that's like, no way, pops, you know? It just lights up when you come in the room. And uh, I'm an overly affectionate father. I saw him today and I just grabbed him. And he's like, let me go. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I love you. And uh, I, I'm going to do a sermon, I, I think, on, on you know, the childlike faith and, and that, and, and after being a father, how I've completely seen that in a completely different way. Not today, but I'm going to do a talk like that. You may notice that I'm standing today. I might sit down, I might not, I don't know, but shake it up. Oh, um, Rob Bell's coming to town for a book signing. What day is it? This Wednesday? At Major and Quinn's. Did I say that right? It's like six o'clock. And um, about his, the Bible book. He did a book on the Bible. And it looks really interesting. And I think it's extremely important for evangelicals to read. Or people who are kind of curious about what the Bible actually is. Um, So I'm thinking I'm going to try to head out to that. If I'm not at a hospital having a baby. So, um, so yeah, if you guys are around, come on out. But today I am going to flip through the Bible aimlessly and try to find something to talk about. Oh no. I'm going to 1 John and that always throws me off because I go to John first. Is it after Hebrews? Yeah, it is. First John 4, 18 through 24. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. 
We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brother or sister are liars. For those do not, for they do not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen. Can they love God whom they have not seen? Interesting verse because I think a lot of us have people we don't love. You know, and find it quite easy not to love. And uh, I honestly believe that there is a way to love your enemies. I think the Bible has got it right, and I think there's a way for us to love our enemies. I even think there's a way for us, for some of us uh, who are more uh, left-leaning, to even love our president. I I think there's a way to do it. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I haven't completely got it, but I think there might be a way to do it. And when I mean love, I don't mean like, yeah, we love you, man. I'm going to get up a sign and be like, you know. But even just a simple prayer that things change, you know, that hearts change or hearts are moved, you know. Does that make sense? So... This is, uh, I know I've got a tough crowd. If you guys check out my tweet, I took a picture of you guys. You can see it on the Twitter right now if you look at it. It's not really you guys, but it's, I said we have a small group today, and then I put a picture up. So you'll just have to wait to see it. Um, I love this song. People listening online can't hear the song. You can dance if you want to. (laughs) We're in a bowling alley, so they play loud music in the other room. Um, We all have fears. We all have them. God, church, and Christianity should not be those fears. Now, life, but of course, life is not perfect, so those become fears. Um, Today, I was at studying at Starbucks and someone asks me, what do I do? And every time someone asks me what I do, a little bit of fear comes over me. Because I'm going like, (laughs) I'm a pastor. And then you have to explain what kind of pastor you are. You know? And it used to be enough that I had tattoos that it was like, oh, you must be a crazy pastor. But now it's like even like crazy legalistic pastors have tattoos, you know, and are super hip. So... They're like, oh, that's interesting. So what denomination? I'm like, well, non-denominational. So that makes it even weirder, you know, and you're trying to explain it. And you're like, holiness Pentecostal. No. Um, I'm like very liberal, you know. And do I jump out with the uh, gay affirming thing right away? What do you do? And then what if they're not? But that's okay. But it shouldn't be fear. Um, But perfect love casts out all fear. And those are fears that we, a lot of us have. We fear, the Bible talks about fearing God, but you could actually translate that into awe and wonder and reverence. And uh, because if perfect love casts out all fear, perfect love doesn't cast out awe, reverence, and wonder towards God. Um, and what's another word for, what's a word for, I think wonder is a good word there. Awe, reverence, and wonder. This wonder of this, Ground of being, this something that we don't know, that we've not seen. It even says here how we can love something that we haven't seen. The question of, is there a God? Isn't there a God? The existence of God. There's that question there. There's, that, that's part of faith, is that as what we're doing really 
Are we really following something? That doubt is built into faith. You know, otherwise it would be, you know, it would be belief or insurance or assured, assurance, we're assured, you know, it would be fact. You know, but there's that amount of faith that we have to have. You know, Jesus said it to, when, when Thomas it was like, I've got to stick my holes in, in my hand in your holes and, 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 and figure out that you're real, you know. And, and Jesus had blessed those who, who believe in me, who don't see me. Well, thank goodness, I mean, because most of us haven't at this point. But I'm, I'm totally on the Thomas, doubting Thomas train. I mean, I would have been the same way. I would have been like, yeah, I, I, guys, I've got to see this. Because you 12 are already, or you 11, I guess, already kind of nuts, you know. They were nuts, when you read about them, they're funny guys. Um, but also I was thinking about fear. If perfect love casts out all fear, uh, not just about you know, the failures of the church and Christianity because we've, we've ceased to per- cast out all fear, um, but that's because we're human beings and we're not perfect and people are trying their best. But also, fear about tomorrow. You know, we have fear about what is tomorrow? What does tomorrow hold? What does getting older look like? What does our job look like? What does our life look like? What does our security look like? And then I put, instead of fear about yesterday, but I put shame about yesterday. And for me, shame often haunts me. And it's not shame like, oh, I killed a hobo. Um... No, I've got no problem with that. It's what I do on the weekends. No. Um, I don't even know where I got that. Someone said that once, and ever since I've, they said it, it's stuck in my brain. It's my friend Matt DeBenedictus. Um, no, but the shame of things of like, you know, I didn't plan this out right, or I didn't fill out this tax paper right, or I didn't fill out the nonprofit thing right, so now I have to do this again. You know what I mean? Just... Things like that, or, you know, my wife is the primary breadwinner, and, you know, I had big taxes, and she had to help me pay for them, or whatever. You know, shame, you know, things like that can be shame spirals. Or things like, I don't think I'm good enough for this ABC reason, or, you know, revolution is the incredible shrinking church, so, you know, I live in shame because of that, you know, whatever. Those are things that, shame spirals that happen. And they, those often haunt me. But perfect love is saying it casts out this fear. It casts out this shame that we carry with us. Because really, if you look at what it says, it's fear of punishment. Having shame is a fear of being shamed, being punished, being ostracized somehow. So that is a type of punishment. You know? Fear about tomorrow is that am I going to meet my rent or am I going to, you know, be a good husband or am I going to be a good pastor or am I going to run out of everything? Like have I, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Have I preached every sermon I've ever preached? Am I, I'm afraid that that's all going to just, I don't have anything left. You know, there's a fear for that. I often hear people say, don't use yourself as an example in sermons, but I only have myself as an example. And when you become a father, it becomes even more you only have yourself. (laughs) You know, you're like, oh, you know, there's two or three people who help 
take care of my kids, so I can't use them as an example. I don't want to lose my... <laughs> and then my congregation's kind of small, so I don't want to use you guys as an example, so I want you to come back on Sunday. Um, so I'll just use myself. But fear about tomorrow, shame about yesterday often haunts me, and I know that there's things that often haunt all of us here in this room. I have questions. Should I stay in the ministry? Can I stay in the ministry? What about my mental health? You know, is it, how important is it, (laughs) and how do I take care of it, and how do I be a good steward of my mental health? Financially, is it the right decision for me and my family? And is it possible to financially continue to go on? And I am unorganized. Believe it or not, I am one unorganized guy. It was really great when Revolution had a staff and we had somebody who was organized. And I could be like, hey, we've got this thing and it needs to be organized, you know, and I knew it was organized and I didn't have to worry about that stuff, but now it's me. And so it's like, I'm constantly getting calls from my my business people that we have working for Revolution that are hired out. Being like, Jay, you need to do this. Jay, you forgot this. Jay, I need you to do this. You know, and I'm going like, oh my gosh. I'm just going to crawl in a hole and maybe it'll all go away. Um, not very organized. Or I get one of my congregation members t- texting me going, hey, let's get out together. I'm like, yeah, sure, sounds great. Then I forget to text them back. Someone in this room. who's <laughs> laughing. Um, the president, for me, is a big deal and kind of crazy, makes me feel crazy. My father's support of the president makes me feel a little bit crazy. Videos that I have not seen but I hear constantly about make me a little bit crazy. I had one of my favorite artists send me a text saying, hey, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing. I know there's a viral video with your dad on it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, okay, this has kind of gotten big, you know. But it was also one of my favorite artists. So I was like, my favorite artist is texting me. Um, this is unbelievable. She makes all sorts of crazy art, but a lot of vinyl toys, and I have a whole bunch of them. She's uh, Amanda Vessel. She's uh, gold. She's really top-notch person. But these are fears that I have. And earlier on in these scriptures, it talks about God being love. So God is that perfect love that casts out all fear. But sometimes it feels like God's not there. And sometimes it feels like it's hard to, discon- it's hard to connect to God. I think it helps having a, a community full of people who feel and struggle with the same way. I'm reading a book, and uh, the reason I try not to curse a lot when I preach is because I'd rather not argue with people about my cussing. I'd rather cuss, you know, I mean, I'd rather argue about my theology than my language. But um, but there's this, in this book I was, I'm reading... And I I might do a sermon out of this book, so I don't want to spoil too much. But um, he says, A community of acknowledged fuck-ups ought to at least 
in theory, to be kinder to one another. <laughs> now this is a writer named Francis Spooford. Is that how you say his name? Um, and he's, from, he's a European, so he has no problem with his language. Um, but I, I like that. I like that maybe we need a community of screw-ups to understand one another. And I have to, unfortunately, uh, let you know that if you're here, maybe minus the newcomer, if we see you again, then there's a problem. <laughs> you could be drawn to this because you're a very similar, similar boat. of seeking out this love that casts out this fear and this insecurity and this shame and this uncertainty. So those are the questions I have. In Matthew 11, going back to the Gospels, You know, when I start preaching out of the Old Testament, we're in trouble. I just tell you guys, that means I've, I've ran out of everything in the New Testament. Um, Matthew 11, 28, is somewhere in the Bible. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Okay, this is a good one. So obviously there's fear. We're going to deal with that. Obviously, in the first John, the writer wants us to know that perfect love casts out all fear, and then that's a goal. It's not something we are all going to grasp, but it's a good thing to remember. Jesus in uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What am I missing? Because this seems a little bit, at times, like, really? Is it really that light? You really want me to bring your heavy burden? Because sometimes being in ministry, sometimes following Christ seems to be full of heavy burdens. But what this verse is telling me is that Jesus is recognizing that and saying, bring them to me. Surrender them to me. And it also makes me think that maybe sometimes if I'm focused so much on my burdens, that maybe it's the chemical imbalance in my brain. Maybe it's the situations that I get in. Maybe it's that life is a heavy burden. And Christ saw that. And Christ is saying, come to me as a refuge. But it's tough when you don't see Jesus. When Jesus is an unseeable deity. It's tough to lay your cares upon that. But you know, when I was in, and still am in, a 12-step group, when I first started, I was just plagued with worries just plagued with worries and my sponsor said I want you to do a God box now a God box is basically a shoe box that you tape up and you put a hole in it or you can do it a God some people do a cam so they can say God can those are the more spiritual ones 
and you take your problems and you write them down on a piece of paper and you put them in this box. Now, for me, this seems a little bit irresponsible because you're going like, I'm just going to put my problem here and forget about it. But what you're doing is you're turning it over to God, a God of your own understanding. And so when that problem and those things come to your brain, you go, okay, I've turned it over. Now, strangely enough, there is something to this. I don't know what it is, but there's something to it that kind of works. To the fact where I've been thinking about making one. And not one so I'm just going to put it in there and then not call my, you know, the bill, pay bill, <laughs> I'm not, paying bills. Oh, okay, I don't have to pay bills anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I'm going to take some of the worry out of that and surrender the worry and the fears out of that so I can confront that. And sometimes we need that physical reminder. And right now, I'm kind of in that place. So I'm thinking about making a little God box. Maybe that'll be our revolution homework. Make a God box. You can make it Star Wars theme if you want, Star Trek theme, Pirates of the Caribbean theme, 12 step program theme, good hair theme. <laughs> I just say that because I'm here follically challenged and, you know, I'm coveting <laughs> my neighbor's hair. Um, But Jesus is also recognizing, I think we have got to see that this is Jesus recognizing the, the, the struggles and the toughness of life. And also the struggles and toughness of life of being a follower of Christ. I don't think this is just for the, the sinners that hung out with Jesus and those people. We're all sinners. But I mean, I, I think it's Jesus saying we're all, he's recognizing this life is full of heavy burdens. That, that word weary is a very powerful word. When you're weary and you feel that in the inside and you feel like, I don't know if I can go on. It's just so much. You know, and you're grasping to things like family members or certain people around you that think, oh, this, you know, uh, what's going to get me out of this confusion? What's going to get me out of this loss? What's going to get me into this, out of this weariness that I feel in the, in the depths of my soul? And Jesus says, bring that to me. And to me, there's something powerful about that. And Jesus doesn't say, there's no yoke. And a yoke was what they put on cattle, to, you know, and they would, to cattle to pull the till, the land, you know, they would put them around their, you know, some people, I used to think a yoke was a, a thing in the egg. It's like he's got an easy yoke. It's lovely. I'll have two easy yokes, please. Um, but it, it, it's, it's not saying there's not a burden there, but it's saying it's an easier burden when we do this together. And so there's a supernatural aspect to that that is hard to grasp and hard to believe sometimes, but there's something to that what I think we can grasp onto and maybe hold. Maybe that's faith, putting trust. Maybe it's like, it's like the sign of that God box. Does that make sense? Um, so Jesus recognizes the struggles of life and says, come to me. Heavy burden. Carrying heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. And how often we need rest. Today, uh, Karen let me sleep in an extra hour and took care of it. And I needed it. I've been mowing the lawn. 
Whoa! We're, okay, we're corner house, okay? <laughs> we're on the corner and on a hill. The grass is on a hill. And, so I'm, and you can't go sideways, I've learned, <laughs> on the hill because you slide down. So you have to go up the hill and down the hill. And uh, it's tough, but at the same time, it's really peaceful. Um, I'm getting off the subject. James, in the book of James, uh, James 1, it says, uh, James 1, 2, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that these testings of your faith produce endurance. And let the endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. This seems like shit when you are going through hell. Today is the cussing sermon. Um, When it feels like the curtain has fallen and the credits have rolled. When I was at the Jesus and Mary Chain concert, they had a really cool smoke thing happening, you know? I mean, it's really, it was really cool. But it set off the smoke alarm, and the great thing about the, this, the venue is as soon as the smoke alarm goes off, their curtain goes down. And they're playing, and I'm like, this is the oddest show I've seen. This is really cool. They're still playing, and the curtain's going down. And the, eh, 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 you know, I'm like, what, what are they doing? This is crazy. They weren't doing anything. They just set off the smoke alarms. Um, and the curtain was falling. And people were, Ooh! And we all had to stand there for like 20 minutes wondering what the heck's going on. Or should we be running for our lives? You know, is the show over? What's going to happen? And, um, you know, people were like, Boo, you know, bullshit. You know, yelling and complaining. And I was just sitting there in kind of an awe and wonder of what's happening and they came back out, and they started the song again, and the cr- curtain rose. And for a split second, the curtain started to come back down, and people went, <gasps> But the fact was, as the curtain comes back up, or if you're a fan of Marvel movies, when the credits roll, sometimes there's a little bit extra. You know, it's not always the end. Sometimes it's the time where you walk out in the middle of the afternoon, you've seen in the in the credits of roll, but then you walk out, you know, when you see day movies, it's always kind of weird, and then you come out, and the sun is just shining bright. You're like, oh, what's going on? Um, when I think of, uh, 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 of things like that, when I think of, you know, that my brokenness in my heart, when you're going through it, it doesn't feel this way, but when you get through it, you can see that it does strengthen you. But sometimes you have to be on the other side. So I don't recommend finding somebody who just lost a loved one and sitting down and reading this verse to them. That's probably not the best time to do it. Um, There might be some issues where people are running through problems and you can read this to them. Um, But you need to use wisdom for that. Because when I think of Manchester... um, what just happened in Portland. I don't know if you guys have been following that. 
Um, and then I think of Luke. Now, who's Luke? Luke is a, a young man about my son's age who has a disease that he ages 10 times faster than most people. And I follow him on Instagram. And uh, and, on, and you, his father's quit his job so he can have the time with his son. And they have a little girl too who's really, they're both adorable kids. You know, but I sat and, and when I first saw the picture of Luke and, and heard his story. I just sat and cried. I didn't know what else to do. I was so moved by it. Um, so when we think about these things in the current moment, it's hard to think that these, what these builds in us. Because for a lot of us, as we, go, we automatically go to revenge or cursing God or going, how could there be a God if this exists? Because you know, I think of my little boy and what I would be doing if my little boy was going through the same situation. And you go, how could a God exist that allows this to happen? So a lot of deep theology all of a sudden comes into James and in what else I'm about to read. But you have to start wondering what is God in control of and not in control of? What are we giving credit God? God giving credit gets credit for a lot of things and I don't know if that's necessarily I don't know if God controls things the way we've made it I think God may be the ground of all being but I don't know it brings up a greater mystery to me because I know that God that loves us doesn't make little boys age ten times faster or at least it doesn't make any sense in my theological house can't figure it out But I also see a celebration of life in Luke. And I see him with his fire truck and I get so excited. A little toy fire truck. And then I saw him on a fire. He actually was on a fire truck. I saw, you know what I did is when me and my son were driving down and I saw a fire truck pulled over to the side of the street, I stopped my car and got Milo out. And we walked up to the fire truck and looked at the fire truck because I saw the happiness that Luke saw that. And it was like Luke had highlighted life for me. He was like a highlighter of saying, enjoy these moments. Live in these moments. You're so worried about the shame, about tomorrow, about yesterday. Live in this moment now and enjoy the truck. And we went and looked at the truck and then the truck started to drive away and Milo goes, bye, bye fire truck, bye fire truck. You know, and it, it's that moment, a glimpse of peace and hope. I don't think these are sermons you're going to hear on Sunday. I don't even know if this is a sermon. I don't even know what the hell this is anymore. And I don't care because this is what Jay does and this is what God's called me to do is stand in front of you and try to make sense out of some of these things that we can't always make sense of. So I'm not going to stick with God's a mystery. What I'm going to stick with is that I just don't know God completely. And I just don't know what God controls and doesn't control. And I'm not, one, I'm not a predestiner. I'm not into that. I just, it might be true, but I'm not, I don't, just don't think God's flicking 
diseases down to kids and making people starving. I think we have a lot more to do with things that happen in life than we know. And I just think sometimes shit happens and there's no explanation for it. If it makes you feel better to blame God, I believe God can handle that. In Matthew 12, and this is one of the reasons I think this, in Matthew 12... There is, uh, a prophecy about Christ that is read. And it's always struck me, kind of powerful. Uh, Matthew twelve fifteen. So when Jesus became aware of this, he departed. Many crowds followed him, and he cured all of them. And he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what they had spoken in, through the prophecy of Isaiah. So this is the prophecy of Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom I am, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and I will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Did you hear that? I will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So we got a little bit pre-Paulinian, Jesus reaching the Gentiles. He will not wrangle or cry aloud, which means he will not raise his voice in the streets. I always like to bring that one up to street preachers when we're having conversations. Um, Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice and victory to all in his name, the Gentiles will hope. But do you hear this? How many of you feel like a smoldering wick at times? You know? How am I defining smoldering wick? Burnt out. But we are still got a little smoke going. Maybe it's still a little amber. You know, we feel life is tough. Or, but it's, he won't bru- so he's not going to go, <laughs> last bit of hope, Psst. there you go. A bruised a reed, what, a reed is, uh, was that a leaf that they would use to make music? I mean, it, I know it's for saxophone now, but it's a, it's, it's, it, I believe it's a gentle leaf. He said he would not bruise that. that he's saying that God is loving, Jesus is loving, that Jesus will not do this. Saying, And it's not saying that life won't crush you, but it's saying at least Jesus won't. Now there's a lot of theology in that statement. But the prophecy of Christ won't raise his voice in the streets, won't put out a smoldering wick, won't won't bruise a reed. There's a lot there, but it says that it's not saying that this life won't crush you and this life won't put out the smoldering wick or this life won't bruise the reed but it's saying that Jesus won't do that and when we see people doing that in the name of Christ we have to recognize that that's not Christ that that's people and their experience and their ideals of Christ is this making any sense to anybody? I hope so. A great thing about crappy sermons, 
is that when I put them online, and I'm not saying this is a crappy one, <laughs> but you put them online, and there's always someone who goes, oh, man, I needed to hear that. You're like, really? <laughs> that was just crap. <laughs> but there's always some, you know, and that, that's what I kind of love is it's kind of like you never know what these things bring. But I know, man, I wish I was a Rob Bell. Can I just be honest with you? I wish I was Rob Bell. Uh, I know you wouldn't have a Jay Baker, but then maybe we and Rob Bell could just switch places. You know, I wish I had the knowledge and the memory of that guy and I was a communicator like he is. But instead you got the rambler, which I am. He's more of your Luke Skywalker and I'm more of your Han Solo. <laughs> Smooth talker. Um... Too much, too much Star Wars references. <laughs> I'm really excited about the new Star Wars. Really sad Han Solo's not in it. Second Corinthians. Twelve. Second Corinthians twelve eight. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that He would leave me. Oh, that it would leave me. But He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for your, for power. It made perfect. It's made perfect in weakness. So I will boast in the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me." Therefore, am I content with the weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities for the sake of Christ, for whom I am weak, then I am strong. Now, when it says three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, this is the thorn in Paul's flesh. This is the one you hear about the thorn, that Paul had a thorn in his flesh. I'm going to read this one more time. He says, three times... I appealed to the Lord about this. Could you imagine if we only asked God questions three times? Paul's like very pragmatic. I asked three times and nothing happened, so I'm not going to ask again. Um, I'm like, I asked 852 times, and I'm, think, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking 53rd time's really going to be a charm. Um, three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am content, now listen to these parts, with the weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamity for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. I have read tons of books of theology trying to tell me exactly what Paul's thorn was. Everything to um, him having, oh, what was the disease? What was it? Like he had gout or that, yeah, and, or, and nobody knows. And then, you know, that he was gay, you know, I don't believe that one either. But when I before I was affirming, I thought that was a good one. Um, I'm like, yeah. Um, 
But I'm glad we don't know what it is. I'm glad Paul never shared what his thorn was. I think of uh, that song by um, that country singer who's who's, uh, Garth Brooks. Thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, because I'm able to relate in a way to that. For me, it's depression and it's shame. That's not rational. It's a thorn in my side. I contemplate quitting quite a bit and just doing my own thing, going and getting a job at Costco because I hear they got insurance there. Working under those lights might drive me crazy, but you know, if those lights are just like, <laughs> but um, I don't know if I'm really at the place where I'm thanking God for my calamity right now and my hardship and my, per- but I'm not dealing so much with persecution much anymore. People have moved on to other folks. so that's good but I gotta love those folks and help encourage them this is a long talk huh Um, so just a brief go over perfect love casts out all fear Matthew uh Come to me, all you heavy burden. You know, my yoke is easy. James, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. Prophecy of Christ, he will not crush a reed or put out a smoldering wick. And then Second Corinthians, Paul thinking for the thorn in the flesh. The idea is, is that there's not, the Bible does not sell us a bill of goods. It does not say life is easy or perfect. It just doesn't. It says you are going to have calamity. You are going to have conflict. You are going to have people that don't care about you or people who care too much about you and don't agree with you. You are going to suffer. As, uh, and it is a reality of life. But Jesus asks us to come to Christ bring those suffering and those things to them. No guarantee that those are going to be removed, but there is maybe a hope that those things will be used in order to help others more. I know someone, I know, uh, you know, two, three-year-old boys suffering has helped put things into perspective for me. You know, I know that tragedy does that. I don't like that. That's what tragedy does, but I don't have answers for that. But to quote my mother, song that she used to sing, she used to say, you can make it. And uh, that's my hope is that we can make it and that we can find the strength somehow in our faith, even when it's lacking and even when it's weak. And I have made no secret that right now my faith is lacking and is weak.
So I'm grasping at these scriptures myself. I'm reading books like crazy, hoping that something will go, you know. But for all I know, something already has, and I just haven't seen it yet. But if you're looking for a church of, uh, as Francis Spooford said, um, for the fucked up, this is it. This is your place. You know? It would be better if there was more of us who than I could say it. It wouldn't seem so pointed, but <laughs> it seems kind of personal when it's just a few of us here. <laughs> I resemble that remark. So I'm going to pray, and uh, thanks for coming today. I, I, I know I don't give a lot of happy sermons, but I hope they are somewhat constructive in your life. And I hope that grace ultimately shines through because to me that is the one thing I found that comforts me. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and for this time together. We bring our our burdens to you, our hardships to you. We pray for those who are suffering. I pray for Luke and I pray for his family. I pray for the folks in Manchester, Lord. I pray for the young men's families who lost their lives defending a Muslim girl in Portland. I pray for our president and that you would intervene there somehow. I just ask for your will. Help us to be better people. Help us to love more. Allow us to be broken vessels that are examples of what broken vessels can do. Amen.